Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Um, Welcome to episode 43 of the Overcoming Monday podcast. Today we're talking about marriage and specifically about managing your money. And we have James and Michelle Myers with us here today. Hey guys. Hi Hello. Friends. And Clayton, my husband. What's up? Yep. And pretty much here's the deal. I can manage my money, <laughs> but when Clayton <laughs> and I met, he managed it differently. And so pretty much I kind of said, all right, well, I'm going to trust you. So I am in this podcast to learn with you guys also here today uh, a little bit about managing money from James and Michelle. And I don't know if you guys in, in your relationships have one person that is a little bit stronger or just takes control of managing the money more than the other. You guys, James is the one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today, and um, money is such an important topic in marriage because it can actually divide you extremely, or if you have it under control, it can keep you from arguing so much, I believe. Right, yeah. Um, And you know, money is the number one reason cited in statistics on why Americans get divorced. mm -hmm. It's the number one uh, divisive, most divisive issue. So this is really something we need to talk about and, and talk about it often. So James and Michelle, would you just take a minute to introduce yourselves to the Overcoming Monday listeners? Yeah, Michelle's been on before, right? So yeah. it's the first time Your you're turn. hearing me. Um, grew up in West Tennessee and uh, relocated to Asheville about seven years ago where um, we're loving three kids and loving life, serving together right now with She Works His Way. And uh, just excited about the ride we're on. Mm-hmm. And one of your little ones is actually down in our pool house. With on a baby whisperer, apparently. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, we're going to be getting her uh, social, cell phone number, email, every all of her information. She's Absolutely. going with us. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How long have you guys been married? 11 years this May. next month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. And what, uh, you told us this before, you got married on May the what? 24th. Okay. Yeah. We got married May 1st. So we are, yes. we're a May wedding as well. And tell us about She Works His Way. Cause you guys have started an incredible ministry organization, company, business, and all it is things. all consuming. Yeah. So She Works His Way is a ministry for Christian women who work. And, you know, I think the internet kind of made this swing of Christian women back into the workforce. But their problem is that there's a lot of business training out there, but there's not a lot of business training you can trust. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have a place where you can come and you can talk about doing what God has called you to do, using the gifts, talents, and abilities that he's given you with excellence, but do it from a priority perspective of God is first and family is second. And then understanding that when we do life in God's order, that he genuinely does take care of everything else. So we just like to encourage people to keep their priorities straight and to seek him in all they do. Mm, so good. Well, we, we love having you guys in our lives. Uh, you guys are really great friends. And I think, Shari, for us, it's always fun to interview new people. But when it's mm-hmm. someone that we know and love and trust, uh, I just feel like the conversation flows in a real mm-hmm. natural kind of way. Yeah, so we want to ask you guys a little bit about money. When you first met, I know when Clayton and I first met, um, I balanced my checkbook 
to the penny. Mm -hmm. If it was ever off, literally in college, I remember using up erasers and having eraser stuff all over my desk because I needed to get it to the penny. It just drove me crazy if it didn't. And so when Clayton and I got married, he would make deposits without telling me and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) this is so confusing. I need order. And because the order wasn't there, I just decided I'm not going to get him to conform to what I'm doing. (laughs) So I'm just going to let him be responsible and just say, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. I'm about to spend about this much money. Is that okay? (laughs) So That's very um, similar. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I just, I just couldn't keep it to the, to the penny and it drove me crazy. And so I just said, you take the reins. And it's his Um, fault if it's wrong. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't blame him. I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I do, but how, when you guys met, what was it like? Well, see, we share the same values, but came at it from opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a modest working home, both, both parents working, but dad had a lot of job turnover. So we experienced three um, bankruptcies before I was 18. Wow. So I, I look at stewardship more of what I don't want my kids to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it it has had a tug and a hold on my heart that I've had to release mm-hmm. um, and have more faith with finances and not hold it so tight. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's been the biggest growth and progression for right. me. And then I grew up in a home where my parents were extremely good stewards and it was modeled for me extremely well. And I grew up in a fluent area, but with a dad who was a pastor and a mom who was a teacher. So mm-hmm. I wasn't as affluent as my friends. So I was fully aware that there were lots of friends that I had that had more than I had, mm-hmm. but never felt like I had all my needs and most of my wants. My parents were great in that sense. So like you said, we shared different values, just kind of brought different backgrounds to it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of fear I guess with money with James yeah. in the beginning. And then for me, money was a thing. Like mm-hmm. it was a thing. It wasn't, I was not motivated by it, which is probably frustrating for a business manager who's <laughs> sitting here beside me. Um, but not motivated by it, not fear led, not dependent upon it. So had to learn that your experiences and your background with money really do shape how you view it. And so we had to have a lot of conversations because when he would talk about it a lot, like I felt that that meant that he cared about it too much, Mm. but really it was just because he had grown up where he had, he had seen the the devastation of when it's not managed well. And so we had to have a lot of those conversations in the beginning. Hmm. I've had a little bit of that experience, James, with you just um, with my mom being a single mom and having to take care of so much. Um, I think that there was a lot of responsibility. If I needed something, I would go work for my dad, bring it home, buy whatever I needed. Um, And so I just knew that there wasn't a lot. Mm. And so I was always trying to... In fact, I remember going shopping with a friend in college and her parents basically paid for everything. And there was this skirt I wanted so bad. And I I looked at it like 15 times and she said, just get it and put it on your credit card. And I said, and when I get that bill, who's paying that credit card bill? Mm -hmm. I am. And if I don't have the money, I can't buy it. Mm -hmm. And so she didn't get it. We walked away and I was... I really wanted it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I walked away with not buying it and that, I had to, you know, do that a lot. So I think no for me was a big thing with money, just feeling like I had to say no way more often than I wanted to. And Atlanta, living in Atlanta with a lot of people who had money sure. and just feeling like I was the kid who didn't at the private school. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, it taught me a lot of good self-control and lessons and, you know, what's important and what's not. Everybody brings their own uh, history with money into a marriage. Mm -hmm. Everybody brings emotions 
because money draws emotion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that, you know, money's an inanimate object. It doesn't right. have a soul, but money will have your emotions attached to it. And so I think when people get married, it is foolish to miss out on important conversations about money prior Mm -hmm. to marriage because there are assumptions, there are emotions attached to it, there's history attached to it, and money makes you feel certain things. Mm -hmm. Makes you feel fear, makes you feel happy, it makes you feel um, greedy, Uh, sometimes it can make you feel accomplished. And so I think this is a good conversation that we have because Mm -hmm. we, we, all four of us, brought feelings and emotions and beliefs and assumptions Mm -hmm. about money to the table. And sometimes you don't know what those assumptions and feelings are until you actually get married. Mm -hmm. So for you two guys, James and Michelle, how has your perspective on money changed from the time you first got married 11 years ago Mm -hmm. to right now? What are some big shifts and changes you guys have had to make in your marriage as it pertains to the way that you handle your money? I I think it mirrors our um, sanctification, our growth in Christ that the thing we measure the most, it isn't so much balancing the checkbook now, it's measuring our generosity. Mm. The more Jesus gets a hold of our heart, the more needs we become aware of, the better givers we've become. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing we talk about the most. What more can we do? And as we're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think just knowing what season you're in. So when we got married, we were seminary students working multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. And so we were in one of those seasons where you say no to most things. Mm -hmm. And then unexpectedly in the career path that we've been put in, we've gotten to meet a lot of people that are very blessed financially. And I think that we've known in theory our entire relationship that money doesn't satisfy and that money doesn't fulfill. But to actually see that first off, to see people that literally have everything Mm -hmm. and are so empty. And then also to see people that from the world standards don't have much and have everything. Yeah. So to be able to see that lived out. And I'm so grateful that we had to talk about groceries and is this a good time to fill up my car? Like talking about the timing of that versus when you get paid, not Mm -hmm. things you take for granted now that you don't even ask to do those types of things. Yeah. Um, And one of the coolest things we got to experience the church we were serving at, we became aware of a family uh, they did not have groceries that week. And it was going to take too long to go through the church's benevolence. They didn't have food to eat that night, that mm. day. And there's a way to be generous, but there's also a way to do that and strip somebody of their dignity. Yeah, You know, you got a man that wants to provide for his family that can't. And so there we were, seminary students serving at a church. You know, we, we don't have much, but we had more than them. We took them to Subway, which happened to be next door to the neighborhood Walmart. Mm-hmm. And we said, we're going grocery shopping. Y'all go grocery shopping with us. Just when we got to the checkout counter, we paid for both. Mm. But we made them pick out every item and tried to spare the dignity and not just, here you go, you couldn't do this for your family, we're going to take care of you. Because honestly, we empathized with them. We thought that could be us on the wrong week. I mean, you know? And so God's done such a great work in our hearts um, on this subject. Right. Well, you never know. Sometimes life takes a twist and you may have incredible (sighs) medical bills that you didn't ever predict. Even if you are financially sound, something can come through your life that takes all of that away. Mm -hmm. And so that, that I think that that can be scary. But it can also be great to know that the body of Christ can step in Mm -hmm. when we can't, you know. Um, And I love that you um, catered to cater. That's not the right word, but you valued having the giving in a way that gave them dignity. I empathized with that man yeah. in that moment mm-hmm. because I, I'm thinking about my dad, yeah. what he couldn't do for us on 
couple of those tough months. Yeah. Right. You know, and right. it, it, dignity for a man, pride attached to this subject, money's a subject, then compound it with pride. Yeah. It just multiplies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, asking for something is hard for anyone, Absolutely. I think, but especially for a man who really wants to be able yeah. to provide and can't and hasn't having a hard time. Yeah. Well, we wrote a book not too long ago. Well, I guess it was a long time yep. ago. I guess it was almost 13 a- years ago. Um, <laughs> it depends on how you define long, I guess. Um, but it was called 12 Questions to Ask Before You Marry. Mm-hmm. And um, while we were talking and counseling with couples, we noticed a few things that they would say. Um, some of them are really idealistic. You know, mm-hmm. you might say these things when you first right. uh, are about to get married and you're in love. But um, we heard uh, these kinds of things. I'm not worried about money. We'll love each other. And that's all that counts. Yeah, we heard that a lot. That's stupid. You know? yeah. That's um, just dumb. That's right. Dumb. And we heard, God will take care of us. We don't need money. Equally dumb. Yes. Um, money is not my thing. I've never been good with numbers. And that can be a thing for sure. But Still dumb. You better learn some numbers. <laughs> yeah. This is life. Or at yeah. least marry someone who is good, good with numbers. Good with numbers. Right? Yeah. We'll come and back I, to that one. I think that that can happen with our gifts too. You know, people yeah, can absolutely. say, well, I'm not compatible. God didn't give me that, so I'm just not going to do that. Well, mm. okay, maybe we need to learn a little bit of compassion, you yes. know? Um, there's no more, um, there's there's more to life than money, um, so no, I'm not obsessed with There is with no it. more to life than money. That's yeah. why I'm not it's obsessed with that's, that's yeah. right, that's right. right, right. And then um, we're going to put God first, and we're going to trust that he provides for us. So um, listeners, I don't know if any of these statements resonate with you, but today we're talking about managing your money and marriage because we don't want, we believe that money can really ruin a relationship if you right. don't like look at it in the face and figure out what your attitudes and your assumptions are. Um, so we're going to take a short break and afterwards we're going to talk specifically about some of these attitudes and assumptions and how to actually communicate what these assumptions and attitudes are with one another in a healthy way. All right, we'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take just a second to invite you to the very first Crossroads Marriage Conference. So on November 1st and 2nd, grab your spouse or fiance and head up to Asheville, North Carolina for a weekend with Clayton and Shari and some of our other friends. This weekend will give you a glimpse into healthy habits you can develop in your relationship. You'll gain wisdom and receive tools to make time with your spouse even more valuable. We're ultimately going to see how God's word elevates marriage as a powerful witness of his love for us. And guys, it is going to be so good. And by the way, this is for all married couples, newlyweds and not so newlyweds. So get on our website at crossroadsmarriageconference.com to learn more about our speakers, places you can stay while you're at the conference, and by the way, Asheville is beautiful this time of year, and to register for only 150 bucks per couple. You seriously can't beat that, guys. So it's Crossroads Marriage Conference on November 1st and 2nd, 2019 in Asheville, North Carolina. We can't wait to see you there. And one last thing, as you may know, Overcoming Monday is a production of Clayton King Ministries, and we're gearing up right now to head into our biggest event of the year, Crossroads Summer Camp. So this is our 24th year of camp, and we are stoked to get to host over 5,000 students this summer in Anderson, South Carolina, for a camp experience we hope they'll never forget. Shari and Clayton will both be speaking all five weeks of camp, so we would love it if you guys joined us in prayer. Pray for the Holy Spirit to move and to change lives and for our speakers and staff to be able to pour out all summer long. And the good news is that you can keep up with all things Crossroads on Instagram 
at CK underscore ministries. And you can watch all sessions, including Shari's every Tuesday night, starting on June 18th on Facebook Live. So like Clayton King Ministries on Facebook to get a notification every time we go live. Okay, back to the show. Okay, Overcoming Monday listener, we are back from the break. Shari and I have Michelle and James Myers with us today in the studio. And when I say studio, I mean Shari's office at our house. (laughs) Thank you, James, for uh, being so great. We have two Jameses in here. James Garcia is running the board for us today. So before the break, we were talking about some of the uh, rather entertaining comments that Shari and I heard before we read our book, 12 Questions to Ask Before You Marry. And one of those interesting comments that we heard, and we still hear this a lot, was something along the lines, when it comes to money, something along the lines of, we don't need to worry about money. Mm -hmm. God is going to provide for us. Stop. Okay. I understand the sentiment behind that. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that kind of faith. But what's wrong with that phrase? And I think that you guys have sort of a personal connection to that in your past as a married couple, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for me, I don't like numbers in any shape, form, or fashion. I like words. They make sense to me. And as soon as you bring numbers in, I immediately start to shut down. And so when James would want to have mature, rational conversations, <laughs> I like if a number was mentioned, I would just immediately go into like, meh, I don't need to know that mode. And there is, yes, you are absolutely right that there is a time for faith, but there's also a time to remember that God also says to count the cost. Mm-hmm. And so for someone who is really gifted in that, when I would shut James down from not needing to have that conversation, then I was essentially like almost stiff arming his leadership over our marriage in that area. And him wanting to bring me into that conversation so that I would understand the financial decisions Mm. that he was making for our family. So that that way in a season where maybe he would have to say no, Mm -hmm. then I would have compassion and understanding versus just, I never get what I want. Why are you limiting me? Yeah. 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 So in reality, you, you uh, have a personality and a gift set that comes from God. Mm -hmm. That's not, uh, numbers oriented. geared toward numbers. Mm-hmm. James, you have a personality and a spiritual gift set that right. is very geared more that administrative. Way. So this is a big part of the discussion mm-hmm. about managing your money in your marriage. Part of the discussion goes to a deeper place of understanding who you are and how you're wired. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. How did you guys figure that out? Was it trial and error? Was it big fights at the beginning? I know you shared a little bit yeah. about your story mm-hmm. of being in seminary and money was tight. Was there a moment where it sort of started to click with you guys? I think it didn't take long to my background versus hers, which we shared earlier, that we're just opposite ends of the spectrum, wanting to get to the same place. Um, that I was probably too brash and a little more faith without works is dead and the worker's worth his wages and I'm going to earn my way and I needed more faith in my giving and stewardship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she wasn't all wrong. We needed to come together in the middle, but learning to talk about those purchases, which I think the easiest thing to do was to lay out the goals. Where did we want to be going? Because we could agree on that. Right. We might not agree with where we started, but if we could agree on where we're going, then you could make sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, You could let go of things that I didn't value as necessary purchases. You know, Mm -hmm. so I'm an idea person. I'm a vision person. And so I just like to talk about the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that there is a lot of unfun stuff that's required to talk about so that you can do the fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I needed to be able to respect and understand the value that James was bringing in. And now that I do engage more in those conversations, (laughs) it has made it to where less than, 
you know, hey, here's your job and here's my job and then let's align. It's more, much more teamwork. teamwork. Maybe, maybe right. this tip. One of the best things I finally learned was don't say no. Explain why it's a no. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe even give them the decision. We could make that purchase, but then we can't do this, do this. and this. Yeah, that's you know good. what I mean? Because nobody wants to hear no. Then it's battled and entrenched and you're going to fight for your cause. But sharing that common goal of, okay, if we do that, I mean, we all have limited like resources. That's right. Yeah. To some degree, everything we have is limited. And mm-hmm. so when there's that tug, well, okay, which one do you think we should do? Right. Yeah. I and would just joke that James was a dream crusher. Crushing <laughs> <laughs> like, dreams. Yeah. Just... And James is like, I'm a realist. I was like, no, or he's trying to that. make the dream happen. Right. Um, right. Saying no and, to this might say yes, yes to that. Right. In a different way than you saw. He's like, I want to make this dream happen, but let's look at this. Can it really happen if we're spending all of this? We can't really get to the goal that we're really trying, the finish line, right? Well, yes. And yeah. I have so many ideas that yeah. James is like, which ones are you serious yeah. about? Which is like, the top. Which ones are the ones that you are willing to like put some effort into to understand the logistics of them, not just the concept? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Clayton started this conversation with getting to know one another's strengths and what you bring to the table. It, this is not a gender specific thing. The no. guy doesn't have to be better at budgeting. Right. Right. And, and we've got to fall to that old thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my case it is. And I think largely it worked out for you. You did a lot of growing up small business. Yeah. Like you just had worked with money. And so then we're going to do that for what's best for our family, but everybody's got to lay that down and which one of us, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is the one that could manage it best. Yeah. And who has time for it? I think exactly. too is, you know, and what works better for your flow of life. Yes. Well, and, and you brought that up earlier. You know, when, when you said, uh, it's something we wrote in our book, 12 questions, everybody has attitudes and assumptions yes. about money. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to know what your attitudes and your hidden assumptions are about money, there's one way to find out. Just look how you spend it. Yeah, yeah. look at your... Track how yep. you spend your money and, and your attitudes and assumptions that are sort of secret and hidden will immediately come to the forefront, right? That's right. What, mm-hmm. That's yep. what we've learned. And you guys, uh, so I'm just asking this off the cuff. There are a lot of apps and programs where you can actually look at how, um, you know, pull in your credit card statements and your bank accounts and all that. Do you know a specific one that you would recommend that you guys, have you all ever used anything Absol- like that? Absolutely. Okay. Um, early on, mint.com was the mm-hmm. best one because it was free. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, Quicken's bottom out into it and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was huge. It, when I said, don't just say no, explain why. And just because the graphs and the stuff, so she didn't have to see numbers, yeah. <laughs> were a little more helpful. Man. <laughs> Letting her see how much I was allocated. I would love that too. The visual part of it. Uh, yeah. I, I, when I do marriage counseling, I mean, it just... I need you guys to get on a budget and practice that for at least a month, looking at it and talking yeah. about it. And the celebratory email that they would send, like when you paid off a student loan, like oh, that, that was, lit you up, didn't yes, it? Yes, accomplishment. Something is yes. fun. We're celebrating. And so then I would see like, oh, there's a purpose. I get it. That, that was the shared value early on. The goal was paying off student loans yeah. that allowed Michelle to say, well, I'll stop doing this, this, and this to go towards that goal. I sacrificed mm-hmm. whatever it might've been at that time towards that goal and then celebrating those wins together mm-hmm. built a foundation for our marriage and on the subject of finances that's catapulted forward today. Well, I read a book um, just this past semester in seminary. Um, it was called Redeeming Creation. And a lot of it was very detailed and probably very boring for a lot of people. But I will tell you this, the um, author of the book called uh, Vern Poitras, I think Poitras, anyway, I can put it in the notes for the podcast mm. in case you're interested in it. But he basically has like a million masters and like 
doctorates. doctorates and all this kind of stuff. But pretty much he started out as a scientist, mm. um, physicist, you know, knows all the things and mathematician. mathematician right? yeah. Yeah. Then he decided, um, I love all of this, uh, but I want to go into theology now. So he went and got his theology degree. So this book basically talks about how creation shows who God is. Yeah. But the way, so he starts out with science and how Every part of science shows us how we're made in the image of God and how mm. not only do we image who God is, but science does as well. Um, so talking about we give the ability to, to give birth to a human being, which has our DNA and reflects us, right, mm. but receives life from God. So it's this mm. imaging of who God is, even in like our children. Mm. But he took it to the degree of... Even mathematics shows who God is. And he showed the unison of so many different, like how algorithms will play out and how the patterns of numbers are shown in science. And it shows the harmony of God. And maybe you're completely bored right now. But what I would say is that just like a painting Mm. shows God's create, you know, it has maybe a painting has, um, you may not think it has anything about balance in it, but it does. It has asymmetry or it might have, um, symmetry. That's like, it just, it shows who God is. Art does, but also mathematics does as well. Mm -hmm. And all because God created it. And so I think that some of us may not necessarily be wired like this guy to be as smart as he is and like to really get into how much he loved chemistry and mathematics. I'm sitting here going, I don't relate with you. However, God created all of us and he created all of it. And so it can come into harmony. So it doesn't have to be something that rips our marriages apart if we use it in a way that God, that glorifies God, yeah, you know? Yeah, redeems it, um, right. Yeah, so that's a little bit of a sidetrack, but I do believe that where I was going with that is God has so many characteristics in his personality and he puts a little bit in it of it in all of us. So some of us may love mathematics and get it so well. And then others of us may be more creative with Mm -hmm. words like you, Michelle. And so it just shows who God is in our marriages and how he can have so many different qualities. Um, What are some ways that you guys, uh, you've already talked a little bit about some ways that you alleviate attention of the tough money conversation, but what are some systems and processes that you've also um, applied maybe in your marriage? I, I think the biggest thing, you got to be willing to talk about it mm-hmm. because it gets swept under the rug. You don't want to deal with the problem and it's not fun when you're upside down mm-hmm. and you owe more than you really are worth. Like nobody likes that, mm-hmm. but you, until you and your spouse, you and your wife, till y'all talk about that, we can't work towards something together mm-hmm. if we're not willing to talk about it. And you got to get in the the messiness of it. And there's nothing more gratifying than working on something together and making those little baby steps and paying those chunks off. So first step's just being willing to How talk about it. How often do you guys it. talk about it? Do you have like, okay, once a month we have a money conversation or do you just talk about it when a purchase or an expense or a dream comes up? I've learned for sure twice a year is about all Michelle will give me. And so we usually get out of it. It ends up in a... uh, talking about like a 15-minute conversation. He's talking about an in-depth planning. In-depth planning conversation. Like four hours... So twice a year is all so, you so, can manage. So so twice a year is is the big big me. planning, and that's usually out of town. We need to get out of our house. We we've got to change the environment so that she'll lock in and give me that devoted time. And mm-hmm. usually I can chart and work backwards if I get that agreement twice a year. 
Then there's always the course correcting. I, I would mm-hmm. say probably monthly um, breakfast or lunch or something. Something would come up if there's little shifts, things pop up, little things yeah. like that. So and like I'm, a I'm twice a year vision planning, goal planning. Because type work and meeting. life is so integrated mm-hmm. with us, we, we really need to make yeah. sure we're hitting the goals you know that we're setting out. And then for. like a month, some once a month, like catch up. Mm-hmm. And I, I just early on, I mean, if that's where you're at and, and finances are tough, that's where we would look at mint.com. Mm-hmm. And we both had the app and we would look at that and celebrate a small goal being reached in savings or something. You know, we talked about it more often then. And then we would choose how to celebrate. And then some months we were so excited that we wouldn't go on a big dinner because we could move towards the next payoff faster, yeah. you know, so. What on, do you use any kind of online app or program now to track budget? investment, savings, life, uh, expenses. Um, what do you use? Do you have anything that really works for y'all right now? We we felt like we kind of outgrew what our goals were with Mm mint.com. And so we've shifted to personal capital right now. Okay. Still linking up all of the accounts where one time, you know, you log in and it's managing it and, um, you get that snapshot with your future goals, where you're going. Mm-hmm. We have wise counsel around us, which is biblical. So it's not just our own wisdom here. We, mm-hmm. we consult. That's my job to go sit in those meetings and talk about our goals from three kids with college funds to retirement to future plans, expansion, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, you have a golden rule that you use kind of yeah. with finances. Will you share that, Clayton? Yeah, I'll be happy to. And and then I'll kind of talk a little bit about just our investment vehicles uh, mm-hmm. because I think that would be an important conversation Absolutely. for the listener. Um, I bet you there are some wives right now listening that would just love to have their husbands tuned into this podcast. Mm-hmm. So if I could drop a prophetic word on somebody, <laughs> this might be a good one for you and your husband or you and your wife to listen to together. So here's uh, my golden rule of money. And this is money as a single, money as married, money as retired, Whatever. If you will just do these three things, tithe 10%, save 10%, live off the rest. Yeah. That, that is the most simple, and I would even say simplistic way to approach the money conversation mm-hmm. in marriage. Tithe 10%. I'm a firm believer in first fruits. The yes. first fruit goes to God. Tithe 10%, then save 10%. You yeah. can pull 10% out of your earnings and put that away in a savings account. And I'll talk about those vehicles in a moment. Mm -hmm. And then you get to live off the other 80%. Now we know that uncle Sam is going to take his pound (laughs) of flesh. So depending on what uh, tax bracket you wind up in, uh, you're going to pay capital gains tax. You're going to pay income tax. You're going to pay property tax on your vehicle and your home, unless you rent, then you don't have to pay that. You're going to pay insurance. You got health insurance costs, unless your employer does that. But this is a great place to start. It's not the end. It's a place you start. Tithe 10%, save 10%, live off the rest. And some of this is going to sound a lot like Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of this is just going to sound like biblical wisdom. But in a nutshell, the way Shari and I have, have uh, managed our money is the tithe always comes first. And then over and above that, we give an offering. Absolutely. So we tithe 10% to New Spring Church. Actually, we tithe more than that. Um, by God's grace, we're able to do that. Then we give an additional amount to mm-hmm. other ministries. And we start with the one that she and I founded together, Crossroads and CKM. We give um, money every month. Uh, then from an investment side of our lives, we have an emergency fund so that if something happens, if our HVAC breaks, if a hole blows through the roof, if the engine falls out of the car, we've got some cash we can spend to fix that. Then we have um, uh, savings accounts. And with our savings account, we have a simple IRA and we have a Roth IRA. I would encourage all of you, even if it's $10 a month, start with the Roth 
IRA. You pay a little bit of tax along the way. And when you retire, it is tax free. Uncle Sam gets his money on the front end. And when you retire, that money is yours to use however you want. Because Social Security, who knows? Yeah. And you know, that. (laughs) we're both paying into Social Security. That's 15% out of every single paycheck. Right. And it may not be there by the time we retire. It may. Uh, if you're an ordained minister, you can have five years from ordination to opt out of Social Security. That's another podcast. Yeah. The other thing I would encourage you to have is um, you need health insurance. We just learned that because in the year 2019, for the first time in the history of our marriage, we're going to meet our health insurance deductible. We've <laughs> never met our deductible because we're really healthy by the grace of God and good life choices. But Jacob had to have ACL and meniscus Mm. surgery, and uh, that surgery came in at a whopping $81,000. Thank you very much. And then a month month and a half after that, I had gallbladder surgery and hernia surgery, and I still haven't gotten the bill. Mm. So it's important to have health insurance. Mm -hmm. Then you need life insurance. And I would encourage you to get term life insurance. Now, full disclosure... We have term insurance. We also have whole life insurance. I bought whole life insurance in my early 20s because I got a great rate. I didn't know everything back then. I would not buy whole life insurance right now as an investment vehicle. However, because I've had it for almost 20 years... Now, my whole life insurance policies that I have for me and Shari, they, they are making money. They're yeah. making really great money. Their returns are fantastic. But it's too late for me to get out of whole life insurance because yeah. I've got too much time in. So now I'm just going to ride it out. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is we keep some money in cash in a checking account. Mm-hmm. And so we've got a checking account, and that's what we pay our bills out of. I've never in my life, not once, by the grace of God and by my dad's teaching, I've never had a balance on a credit card. Yeah. And if I, and I'll pay it off every single month. The only time I ever had a balance on a credit card was when I got my first one. And I knew that in order for me to get credit yeah. and get a FICA score, <laughs> I had to actually carry a balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the way yeah. that we've managed our money. We put God first. And, th- and then we also, I f- almost forgot to mention this, uh, we have two children and we want both of them to go to college. And so we have a 529 savings plan. Mm-hmm. And that 529 savings plan is a great vehicle. We put money aside every single month uh, on top of the Roth IRA, the simple IRA, on top of life insurance, on top of our health insurance. We have a college savings plan for our kids. Right. And once they go to college, we can use that money. And if they don't spend all of it, there are some other vehicles you can use that money towards uh, purchase of real estate, purchase of property, some other things you can do without having to pay a lot of taxes on it. I know I just kind of went rapid no, fire through you're all good. of that. I'll tell you what's really funny. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read a lot about the Enneagram, but they have, um, I forgot which account this was, but it had this Enneagram seven. So like when you start t- talking about the things that the seven's uninterested in, it has this girl and she pays attention for about five seconds and then she starts like flinging a stick around because she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so if you're that person listening to this podcast and you're like, Clayton, I don't know anything you just said. Um, here is the gold. I'm going to have Clayton and James come up with a blog that lists some of this stuff out for you Ooh, okay. this week. And we'll put it out so you can look at shariking.com slash blog. And you can come up with this list and they'll just basically describe what all these things are. Um, we're not going to give you specific links to any kind of investment right. strat like places. You can Google that kind of stuff. Yeah. You can ask someone if you don't know, get an advisor. We're not going to advise you into investments, but mm. we're just giving you an overall balloon view of what this looks like. I, so I hope what you heard from what Clayton shared is that's not where you start, but that's what you can right? grow to. Yes, right. Yes. right. And, and so Dave Ramsey says uh, 80% of finances is behavioral. Yeah. 
And so because you were disciplined early on, that's right. Then then you grew and we didn't start off with college funds or retirement, maxing out those or anything like that. You just paid off debt. Absolutely. But that behavior and small wins translated into bigger ones. And then you learn, you get a raise. Well, you can increase your standard of living and go backwards. Yeah. Or you can make different choices, right. right, with those incremental raises. So I want to ask you, Michelle, as you are going through Bring all her of, back in. I think yeah, we lost no, her. No, no. <laughs> let me, let She's me encourage here. a person who heard Clayton and was equally impressed and glazed over after about 30 seconds because you were like, What do these initials is, mean? What, what is, is happening that? to my life right it now? It was also um, very good. Absolutely. It was so good. Um, I think the thing that I would tell you is I listened to that very differently than I would have a decade ago. Yes, me too. Because God has grown me in this area as I have pursued to learn more about him. You Mm. can't not read the gospels and not understand how much Jesus talked about money. Right. 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 He talked about money a lot. And so as we take that into consideration and understand that money in itself is not bad. You know, I think we take all of these things that we can make sinful mm-hmm. and we try to push off morality on issues like money and we try to make it bad, but money can do a lot of really good things. Yes. And right. so I know for me, what I've seen is James learned how to talk to me. We talked about generosity in the beginning, but he learned very quickly that while numbers don't motivate me, generosity does. And so mm-hmm. he'll speak to me in terms of generosity. And so just like we talked about how a 10% tithe is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. It's a bad place to stop because when you allow like God to take over more and more of you, including your finances, then it compartmentalizes your Christianity less. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a bunch of numbers. And like, I feel like James was like, what is happening to my wife? Mm -hmm. I can't believe she's saying this right now, but I have really grown tremendously in that area to understand it so differently that 10 years ago, I don't even know that I would have heard anything that Clayton said after about the first two sentences. But in listening to that, I hear so much wisdom and truth that has allowed you to do a lot for the kingdom because you know that stuff. Right. And I know um, Clayton has a funny story that I don't remember what grade you were in, but I remember you found a um, calculus book. Yes. And you brought it home yes. when you were very young in yes. elementary school. And yeah. you thought to yourself, you opened it up and you looked at it and you started crying thinking, I can't do this. Yeah. And so sometimes it can feel like that. I know the first time we went in to listen to a financial advisor, right. it's like 1099, blah, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't really even know what you're talking right. about. But that's why you started with the beginning. The beginning is 10, 10, mm-hmm. and 80. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what do you do with that 80? And the 80 is kind of like all the other things that you talked about. Now, you don't start all with everything in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You just you work build. Your way up to you it. build. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you ask someone who's a financial advisor, right. where yes. do I need to start? Right. Pay off your debts first make a budget for your family and all these sound things sound very boring but guess what when you save up your money and you do things well you can pay off your house you can go on a vacation and while a new phone every month or whatever when they come out may be very <laughs> tempting yeah. um right. it's also very it's not very cost effective mm-hmm. to continually buy the latest technology when you don't even have your debts paid off that's right so that's yeah. what we're kind of talking about today um what would you say is the best advice you could give couples who are struggling financially and don't know where to start james yeah like if they don't know where to start yeah what's the first step so, so admit it that you need help. You, you're not going to figure this out. Um, you two probably can't even get on the same page about it. So you probably need a me- mediator. And so that could be 
a Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, one of you, a church in your area, your church offers a class, let alone they have coaches, but you can get into one of those at a very low cost. Mm -hmm. um, we always have had mentors in our life that we looked at. Some parented the way we wanted to parent one day. Mm -hmm. Others managed finances the way we wanted that. And we just kind of well-rounded where we wanted to be in 10 and 20 years. So there's a low cost person, somebody that's that on the outside looking in has managed those resources well and asked to go to dinner with them. They'll pay for your dinner because they mm -hmm. would love to love on you when you'll be real honest and yeah, vulnerable. Like, I, I don't know how to do my money. Okay, yeah. we'll buy you But dinner. people did that for us. Yeah. And so yeah. what do we do now? It's we good. grab young couples and it's our turn right. to pay it forward. It's one of mm -hmm. the greatest blessings right now yeah. is loving on the next generation because God knows somebody did it for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would even say... Um, when you're starting off, if you're just beginning to have those conversations, those tough, emotional, mm. tear-filled, anxious, anxiety-ridden conversations about money, your spending, your debt, all of that, I would not go to a financial advisor first. Eat you I would alive. look. They'll they'll eat you. They'll eat you alive. They probably have been trained in a certain way. I've got a financial advisor through Wells Fargo. They want you to invest, but they want they yeah. want you to believe the way that they've been trained. Right. Mm -hmm. What I would suggest before you get a financial advisor is look around your life and see another married couple yep. that's mm -hmm. living well. Mm -hmm. I didn't say living rich. Right. See another financial couple, another couple in your church or at work or in your neighborhood or they, they parent kids that play on your kid's volleyball team or soccer team or whatever. And just ask them, like you just said, yeah. James, how did you do it? I think, Older folks sometimes are easier to approach yeah. because there is a little bit of insecurity when you're talking peer to peer with someone who seems like they've got more than you. Yeah. So if that's an issue for you and you're feeling some of that peer to peer insecurity, then go to someone that's 20 or 30 years older than you. Yeah. The problem with millennials and I think Gen Z and even some Gen Xers, and I'm part of Gen X, is that we have this assumption that we can go to college and graduate and be living the same lifestyle that it took our parents 40 years to get Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's important to talk to someone who's 30 or 40 years ahead of you and say, what did you do? Mm -hmm. And I'll guarantee you the best ones are going to say, I paid off debt. Mm -hmm. I did not put money on credit cards. I didn't buy things I couldn't pay for. And I was generous and I, and I and I added a little bit along, which yeah. goes back to the wisdom of Proverbs. Yes. He who saves a little bit will one day grow wealthy. Yes. And so that's where really kind of where our heart is. Absolutely. Yeah. Michelle, do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we end the podcast today? I think that I would just encourage you to stay grounded in God's word to see what he says and to constantly let that renew your mind. Because I think for me, the view that I had of money was flawed. And I've been able to come around and understand it more how God intended it by engrossing myself in what he has already said about it. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, Michelle and James, thanks for joining us for thanks episode for 43 of Overcoming Monday called How to Manage Your, Mon manage your Money in Marriage. And uh, Clayton, thanks so much for coming too. <laughs> thanks, Liddy. Thanks for having me in here. You yep. can tell them about Marriage Conference because James and Michelle are going to be there. Oh, oh yeah, what? you can do it. Oh, well, so, you know, James and Michelle are great friends of ours. They live in Asheville. Speaking of Asheville, <laughs> James and Michelle are going to be with us at our very first ever Crossroads yes. Marriage Conference. Yeah. It's going to be November 1st and 2nd in the most beautiful city in America. Right. At Especially the peak, in November. That's the right. The peak of fall colors. Yeah, if you have right. never seen the kaleidoscope of colors known as fall in the Smoky Mountains, 
Come to our Crossroads Marriage yeah. Conference. Shari and, and I will be there, James and Michelle, Sam and Tony Collier, and we're going to have 450 folks. It caps at 450. So yeah. I would say go to crossroadsmarriagecoference.com right now. It's $150 per couple, mm -hmm. and that is the best price you're ever going to see for a marriage conference yep. like this. And James would tell you, get your hotel now because Ooh. they book fast, yeah. right? It's, it's peak season. That's, yeah. that's what that means in Asheville if you're not familiar with it. So you got to get it, get the conference ticket and get your hotel, VRBO, whatever you're into. Yep. Grab your friends and get to Asheville. Yes, Love it. definitely. So if you've been a fatted, been a fatted, been a fatted, I don't know what if that you've is. Been a benefactor but, of this uh, podcast. <laughs> yep. If you've benefited from this podcast, please share this episode with your friends and on social media. And then go to iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. We thank you so much for your support. Clayton King Ministries hopes we've given you something to overcome this Monday. We're thankful that you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. And there are three ways that you can help us reach even more people. One, be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ShariKing99. The second way is that you can also make a tax-deductible donation to Clayton King Ministries, a 501c3 nonprofit, at claytonking.com give. And third, of course, subscribe to our podcast. Get on your favorite podcast platform and hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out Shari's amazing blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.